Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today, I'm excited because I have a MBA alum with me, but also a fellow podcast host. I have with me Priscilla Weninger, who is a Texas McCombs MBA alum, uh, who's also um, at Deloitte, and she is the host of the Early Career Moves Podcast. Um, we're going to talk to Priscilla a little bit about her journey um, going to business school. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about her time hosting the Early Career Moves podcast and what she's really learned, particularly about careers. Um, I think this is such a meta podcast in the sense that uh, we're going to talk about her journey to business school and what she's doing now, but we're also going to talk about careers, which she has learned a thing or two about not only from being an MBA, but also from hosting her own podcast. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to have Priscilla with me today. I always love talking to other podcast hosts. So I guess just to start, uh, and first off, again, thank you for joining me, Priscilla. I'm excited to talk with you a little bit. I always love to start with a warm-up question. So the question I have for you is, what is a book that you've read that has had a great impact on your life? Yeah. Well, first, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's really cool to, you know, get to meet you and like be, you know, talk about podcasting in general. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a hard question. There's so many good books, but if I had to think like in general, like life, career goals, et cetera, I would definitely say Becoming by Michelle Obama was pretty big for me. I read it like when it came out and I loved her story, like, you know, coming from working class parents in Chicago, South side of Chicago, and hearing about how she made her transitions in her career and thinking about different motivators like, purpose, passion, sometimes financial incentives were part of the equation for her. And comparing that against um, Obama, like Barack Obama's own path was just like super interesting. And I felt very like seen by her when I was reading that book. So yeah, it's a favorite. That's great. And I think that also speaks to the power of writing books like that, right? So that uh, to the point you just made in terms of being able to feel seen and to be able to relate with someone. And so great that uh, someone like her can share a story like that. I'm curious, did you listen or watch her special, I think on Netflix uh, <laughs> yeah. around that? Okay. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like that was, I mean, I think mo most people who are a Michelle Obama fan, like, we, you know, you tuned in and there were definitely yeah. tears involved. Like she's so inspirational and always like thinks about how to give back to her community. So yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Also, she had she has a podcast. Yeah, I really enjoyed actually listening to that. There's a bunch in the series, but I actually really enjoyed the one that both her and uh, Barack, Barack did, to get, did together. Uh, that was really that was really fun. Um, oh yeah, I love hearing cool. them like tease each other and like, I know just thinking yeah. about their relationship seems really surreal and like funny. <laughs> I find it very endearing. Not to trivialize like marriage or anything, because I think, you know, if you particularly you knowing their story, they've clearly, you know, been through a lot together. But mm -hmm. their their ability to particularly given what they've both accomplished in life and the stage that they're on. But to your point, like their ability to tease each other and laugh at each other and laugh at themselves is is very, very endearing, at yeah. least to me. 
That's great. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump in a little bit. So, talk to me a little bit about you know yourself. You know, what were you doing before business school, and why did you choose to go and get an MBA in the first place? Yeah. So I was definitely not that person who went to undergrad thinking that I would one day apply to business school. Um, It was really not on my radar until I was like 26, 27 years old. So I do think my story is a little different. I would call myself a non-traditional MBA and I was a non-traditional MBA. So I went to a liberal arts college for undergrad. I majored in political science. And my goal at the time was to pursue education policy. So my mom's a teacher. She worked with mostly low-income students from Houston. She's um, was a bilingual teacher. And so, and then my dad worked for the city of Houston. So I, I was very much grew up in a household where we thought a lot about like public servant leadership. And yeah, that's like what I imagined myself doing. I, I wanted to work in education. I wanted to make make it more equitable for kids and for families. And so, yeah, after after undergrad, I went to UT Austin and I got my master's of public affairs thinking, okay, I'm going to work in DC one day and I'm going to work in education policy. And that was like my big goal. And at the time, I didn't realize, because I was like 22, I didn't realize that education is truly a state issue. And it didn't really make a lot of sense for me to, to do like federal policy. So after my master's in public affairs, I actually moved to Miami, Florida and joined Teach for America. And the intention there was to really understand like what are school districts, teachers, students, what are they up against when it comes to being an under-resourced community and like what are the real obstacles? And so I definitely got that. I was a ninth grade English teacher in Liberty City in Miami and those were really challenging years, but learned so much about the structural barriers and issues like systemic racism that, you know, were, were impacting you know, students and families. And so after that, I I did explore moving to DC and I spent a summer working at DC's version of an education agency. It's called Aussie. And it was really cool. Like I was like, wow, this is great. Pol- like policy, you know, education work. But it was that summer that I realized I didn't really like the pace that policy moved at. It was, I mean, it's like very long-term work that takes just years. And so I realized it wasn't a fit for me anymore to to pursue policy work. And so that was actually a pretty big moment for me. I was 25 that summer and I was like, oh, this is actually not what I want to do. And so was like a little bit lost, to be really frank with you. And I still wasn't thinking about an MBA. Like I didn't think about an MBA for another three years or so when I realized, oh, I want to do, you know, talent, human capital strategy, but like at a much higher level. And how do I do that? And I realized that an MBA was definitely a way to do that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And you had just to double click into that. One of the things that you had mentioned was that, you know, business school wasn't really on your horizon when you were coming out of college, right? You know, you were, you were focused on something else. You had been to a liberal arts school. Uh, At what point did you realize, or how did you discover that there was this thing call it MBA and it could be the linchpin that could help you start to do some of the other things that you had future aspirations with. 
Yeah. So I had college friends that did go down like the route of going to either they became engineers or they were in the private sector. And eventually around four, you know, four or five years out of college, you start to hear about people going to business school. And I thought I was done. Like I thought I had already done my graduate degree. But then when I started to talk to my friends who were going back to get their MBA, I started to really like really, you know, meet with them and ask them like, why are you getting the MBA? What's the ROI? And it was actually one summer, that summer in DC, 2014, I met um, someone in my summer program, which was called Education Pioneers. And I met like a Kellogg grad who was spending his summer in DC in the same program. And he was like, oh, you should consider getting an MBA. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I have a policy background. This doesn't make any sense. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, there's so many non-traditional people, like not so many, but there are non-traditional candidates that business schools are really looking for. And like with your background, like you would add so much value to the program. And so that was the first time that I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like I didn't even realize that I could be a, a competitive applicant for an MBA. And it made a huge, a huge difference because that's when I started to really do my research. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. I always like asking because, you know, we were talking before about, you know, particularly with Michelle Obama's book, like the ability to feel seen or to be heard. And it is so interesting to me that, you know, for me, like I, part of the reasons, one of the reasons why I went to business school was because both my parents had MBAs. Uh, but the more and more I talk to people who go get an MBA, I do feel like it is still very common to the point you just made about a lot of folks are not really thinking about it until someone says, oh, I think you could be a really good fit for this, or this could be something that could be yeah. uh, a great opportunity for you, um, which I, I think speaks to the importance of being able to have individuals who can be elevated and amplified for making these choices so that they can then in turn elevate and amplify you know, others, just like uh, that person who kind of came to you and said, oh, this could be a good opportunity for you because they were able to see in you uh, the opportunity that an MBA could have for sure. Okay. So uh, you get to business school, you get to McCombs. I would love to maybe know from your experience, you know, kind of being there, what were kind of some of the more transformative experiences or just uh, experiences you had that really made an impact in your time when you were there? Yeah. So I was in business school from 2018 to 2020. Um, and so I I would say like one of the most impactful experiences that I had was um, being co-president of the graduate women in business group. So it was the second largest club in the in the class. Um, you know, I went to a women's college. So I went to Wellesley College for undergrad. So I think like you know, I identify as a feminist. I care a lot about gender, you know, equity and, and opportunities, especially in business, right? We we need to see more women in leadership positions. So I went in and I I was in a study group, you know, typically you're in a small study group. And there was um, the other woman on my in my study group. I asked her like, hey, like she seemed really comp- competent, really smart. Um, and I was like, hey, I think we have very strong skill sets that are very different. Like she's like an engineer. She's, um, she was worked in real estate. She worked in a lot of like male dominated fields. And, um, I had a lot of like strong soft skills, to be honest, like working in in education and nonprofits. And so I was like, why don't we combine our skill sets and run for co-president together? And, you know, I'm also Latina. There's not a lot of Latina women in business school. I think there were six women, um, that were like us Hispanic women. 
And so I thought it was really important to also just like be part of changing the face of leadership. And that's when we decided to to run for office and, and we won. And it was just like an incredible year of working with amazing women in the program and getting to spark a lot of initiatives and conversations um, around like male allyship and like, what does it look like to be a male ally? And getting lots of men involved in the conversation was a really cool part of that process. So yeah, I think that was like a huge leadership opportunity. And I think anyone who's going to business school, like definitely encourage um, thinking about like, what's a, a mission or a cause you really care about? And then like leaving your imprint in that way. So that was definitely a big one for me. I think that's such a great one to be involved with and the ability to kind of shape and have impact in a community on something that you care about in you know, working with other really great people. I mean, I think that's that's the home run right there, right? Um, so I, I, I love that example. I love that story. Okay, so I would love to know, particularly after going to business school, having this, you know, pretty positive experience, being able to change careers, what's the best career lesson like you've learned so far or something that you've really taken away both from like developing your career, but also, you know, having gone to business school, having spent this time really developing yourself and learning and growing and um, in your case, pivoting to, you know, a new career, you know, what, what is a, a lesson that you've really taken away from this? Yeah, that's maybe your toughest question. Um, I think that there's just so many, so many different subtopics within career. And that's part of why I started the podcast, because there's just so much that mm -hmm. that is like so interesting and important. And so, okay, so I think if I had to think about the biggest lesson that I've learned is like how critical storytelling is in terms of yeah. like, honestly, across the whole spectrum of your career. So anywhere from like, how are you telling your story when you are applying to business school about your accomplishments, about your passion, like that matters a lot. Um, when you're in business school, when you're recruiting and you're targeting different companies, you have to know what your story is and, and make sure that it like, there's a through line and like, make sure that things make sense. And then even post business school, like when I'm now I'm in consulting, I mean, people, when you network with them constantly ask you like, like, what are you, what are you about? Like, what do you care about? Right. And so people want to know the story and there's like this human desire that's very innate to just like be told a story. And so I think like, and you, I mean, I don't have to convince you, right? Like podcasting is all about telling stories and it's like what really gets people and it gets people to be like, yes, I want you on my team or that's super compelling. Like how can we work together? And it opens up so many opportunities. So I would say like, if I had to say like, what's a superpower that I would recommend anyone to develop is like, get really good at telling your story over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good segue because I'm sure you've learned a little bit about stories with your podcast. So tell us a little bit about the Early Career Moves podcast. What is it? Uh, what's the origin story? You know, what is it focused on? Give us the details. Yeah. So I graduated 2020, you know, you know, midst of pandemic, didn't really know what was happening. It was a rough time and my post MBA job had a significant delay in the start date. So I thought I was going to start in the fall. It ended up being pushed out all the way to January, which was a pretty big setback like in, in like financially and like so many different ways. But I think the biggest struggle, especially as like a type A MBA who's been running around like with their head, like with their head cut off for two years, it was a sudden moment of like, 
okay, like what do I do with all of this time that I have? Um, and you know, we couldn't really see anyone for a long time. And I think a lot of us were isolated. And that's that summer, it was July of last year, was when like I had this idea. And I was like, why don't I start a podcast and make it focused on like early career moves, like literally like your 20s, your, you know, early 30s and focus the the, the narrative on people of color, black, indigenous people of color, and have people tell their stories. And at first, actually, my concept was more around like college, but then it kind of, I, I it evolved. And I was like, no, I think what really, what, what I would really like to put out there is like, how do you navigate those tricky forks in the road that come up in your 20s, late 20s, early 30s, that honestly goes on forever, right? Like this never stops. It always goes on, right? And so, but I, I feel like the 20s is like such a vulnerable time where you're, you know, we're going through so many changes. And if you're first generation American, if you're first, you know, college, first generation college grad, any of that, you don't have a lot of people to go to in terms of like talking about what to do next. So that's, I was trying to fill uh, that void, I think, in the podcast market. And I've enjoyed it so much. It's been so fun to like connect with people. And during this year of isolation, it's it's been like such a great just connection point and like getting to hear people's stories. So yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I can re- relate to particularly the last part you just said. And as someone who also started their podcast during the beginning of COVID, it definitely in, in the past year has been an, something I absolutely welcome, you know, when I get a chance to record for, if anything, to really engage in thoughtful conversation with someone else who's uh, really uh, interesting and fun to talk to. And I would love to maybe know, as you think about uh, the podcast and, you know, the guests that you've had so far, I'd be curious to know, have you learned anything that has either changed your perception of your own career or maybe changed a behavior in your career or just caused you to take a certain action? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's funny because I, as the interviewer, and maybe you feel this way too, sometimes you, if you're positioned in a way that makes it seem like you're the expert and you know everything, but truly there's so many times that I feel like the student and I feel like I'm learning from my guests. And that's the coolest part. Like to me, like that is just so cool when I'm listening to a story or I'm listening to an episode and I'm like, I need to put that into practice in my own life. Right. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. Yes. I think like I started a brand new job in a new function, new industry, new everything in January as an MBA grad. And, you know, an MBA in in business school, you kind of grapple through a lot of like imposter syndrome and insecurities. And and you kind of come out like in a better place, in my opinion, most people like a good understanding of their strengths and a good understanding of where they need to grow. But, you know, any new job, you're still going to feel a little insecure and you're like, am I going to be able to hack it and everything? So I think a lot of the advice that I've, that I've heard, you know, guests give, I think about myself. I think like being willing to be a beginner and not being scared to make mistakes and not being scared of like, like, always having that like dark cloud over your head where you're like, what if, what if they find out that like, I'm not good enough to be in this job, right? Like, I feel like we talk a lot about imposter syndrome on my podcast and it's just such a great reminder to hear people's stories that like, you know, we are a hundred percent capable and we are a hundred percent deserving and worthy. And 
like just keep going. And so, yeah, I think like I always take the advice of my of my listeners or often I or oftentimes I do. That's such a good point. And and I think, too, one of the things that I've learned uh, on that same notion is if you think about the time that you spend thinking about some of those things that you had mentioned or just or even playing out the imposter syndrome in your head and you took that time you spent thinking about it and funneled it into like doing the thing or like making progress towards that thing like you would probably be feel much more confident or feel like you made some kind of progress versus like the thought, the time you spent thinking about like that thing in your head. And it's like, it's hard to break out of that. And you know, that certainly is something that comes up on, uh, when I talk to folks as well, or definitely something whenever I talk to, you know, MBA students or, or folks in my pockets who are in business school, it's like, well, like it, it's, uh, it's one of those funny things where it's like, we, sometimes we tell ourselves or it's these stories and talk about storytelling, these stories in our head. But in reality, if we can suspend that for a second or lean into that curious and be curious about it and turn it into making a step of action of of any kind. Like it actually helps us get out of that and like work away from it versus like running towards it. So, yeah, yeah. I think that, um, that's such a great point. Like the storytelling, it's not just like what you tell other people, but it's like, what are you telling yourself about, about yourself? And so, um, that is such a huge part of the equation. Um, and I don't know if like, this is like a small thing that I, that I have done is like, I will write sticky notes and just like put them around my, my, my laptop and stuff. And it'll be things like, what if you succeed? Like, I think that's like one of my favorite questions to ask is like when I get freaked out about something or I'm asked to do something that I don't know how to do. Right. It's like, why don't we think about how I can actually like, what if I succeed at this? And you're, you know, our brains are not programmed in that way. Our brains are programmed to be like, oh my gosh, what if like the worst thing happens? Um, So having that little like reminder is like so important. It's, it's a huge part of, I think, like feeling confident and successful. Yeah. And something else that I heard, I was, um, I, I know that Carol Dweck, I believe with, um, her, particularly her work around growth mindset talks a little bit about this, but I talked about it with another guest on my podcast, but this, this idea of just like, not yet. Right. And so like, so even if like, let's just say that like you were doing something in your career and like objectively, like you, you did fail. Well, maybe in that moment you quote unquote failed, but like, if you were to, do it again, like maybe you would be successful, right? Or if like mm-hmm. you were to do it in two years, like maybe it would have gone better or six months or whatever it is. So, so this idea of like, okay, yeah, maybe it didn't, maybe the outcome didn't go in the exact direction that I wanted or at the level that I wanted in this moment, but that is not permanent by any stretch of the imagination. And it yeah. could lead to something better. It just, it's just not there yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like if I I'm trying to learn how to play tennis and it's like mm-hmm. my fiance, he's he's so good at tennis. And like yeah. it's embarrassing, like every time we try <laughs> or I try to do things. But like if we thought of our careers in the same way, like I cannot yeah. expect like to be able to like play tennis nowhere near like even a, like a basic decent level yet. Yeah. And that's and that's OK. Like it's part of the process. And you need you need those at bats like to be able to feel yeah. somewhat confident, you know. Totally. No, I say it all the time. Sets and reps like you got to <laughs> you got to you got to get them in. Speaking of sets and reps, I mean, you've had. Uh, quite a few podcasts by now, which is great. And I was reading, actually just reading something before this, where I think if you 
start a podcast and you make it past three episodes, you're in the top like 1% of like all people that make a podcast. Uh, so congratulations. Um, you're past that, but I know you're not supposed to pick your favorite guest. but if you were to pick one or to pick a couple, maybe like, you know, who have, what, what are some of the ones you really enjoyed people you've enjoyed speaking to that you brought on or, or just like, what did you take away from them or what, or what were some of those enjoyable conversations? Yeah, that's another tough question. There's been so many good ones. I would say my personal favorite, um, if I had to choose one, just because it's like so rare to hear this perspective, was my my friend Tiffany Luna. She talked about um, what what it's like to be a private equity principal as a Latina, and so she she was very like willing to be very vulnerable and open about what that path has looked like. And she got into PE in a very non-traditional way. Like she didn't do the investment banking route. She did it in a very almost like life circumstantial, like luck type way. But she just like fought so hard to be able to like prove herself. And so she ended up going to Kellogg to get her MBA, um, doing it like um, part-time, I believe. And she, or I think, yeah, it was part-time and she got the PE firm to pay for it. And she talks about all of the like racial and gender microaggressions that she's had to deal with. Like in one case, it was like men that like don't shake her hand or like assume that she's an assistant in the room. Like those kinds of situations, like you don't hear those stories every day, even though they're, they're out there, like you just don't hear them. And Tiffany did it in, in a way that was so like compelling and like so inspiring. That's great. My sister is an investment banker. And so I feel like she definitely can relate oh, yeah. to some of the things that Tiffany, Tiffany t- went through. So, so I would love to know from you, as you think about, you know, starting this podcast and working on it and the lessons that you've learned from it, where this kind of fits in your own career. Right. And so, you know, context, right. It's like, you know, you've got a busy day job. I know this because I used to, you know, be a consultant, <laughs> um, busy day job. So it seems like you, you enjoy it. Um, but then you have this other you know, thing that you also enjoy a lot of, but as you think about your own career, where does, you know, this careers podcast, which is very meta, but <laughs> where does this like fit within the context of, of your career or your life for that matter? Yeah, I think like, And that's such a great question because I've asked myself that people have asked me that, like, what are you planning to do with it? Right. And so I think um, there's two things and there's two sides of the coin. On one side of the coin, I don't have a plan yet. And that's okay, Right. Like, I think there's a lot of pressure to be like, well, what's next? Like, what does this mean? Right. And so there's a part of me that's like this is right now is like a very fulfilling and like fun, relaxing hobby, especially when you're like working crazy weeks. There's something just like beautiful about either editing or like getting an episode done or or getting a yes from someone who you didn't think you were going to get a yes from or like going into a recording and, and like being blown away by what you just heard. And so there's a part of me that's like, this is so fun. And like, I just want to keep it fun. And I think I, I will, that'll be like a, a North star for me for sure. Cause I'm not going to continue to do something if it doesn't bring me like fulfillment and et cetera. I do think, however, like long-term, I do feel like because I was a teacher, because I've been a nonprofit, like there's a part of me that's very much like I like to help people. I like to give back. And I think that this content is valuable and it's not easily available. And it's very like restricted to people who went to elite universities and colleges. So my thing is like, let's like let's make this like very accessible. 
I have a few ideas. I think like writing a book would be really fun. I think you wrote a book as well, right? I did. So yes. That's yes. definitely like a, an idea that I've had. I've thought about like creating a career coaching platform. So like people could find career coaches for themselves, but always keeping in mind like this specific population. But yeah, for now, I don't have any like serious plans, but I think like in the back of my mind, I'm like, this would be cool if it, if it became something a little bit bigger. Yeah, I think, thank you for sharing that. No, and I think part of the reason why I asked is because, you know, when I think about, and one of the things I think about is that, you know, certain people view careers in like very different ways. Like some people view like what they do at work every day is like the end all be all. And like, that's where they get a lot of their meaning. I think some people kind of view it as, you know, a part of their life mm -hmm. uh, that is important, but there are other kind of aspects to it as well. And then I think there's perhaps other people that view it more as like a, a means to an end and that end could be kind of like something else. But I think what's really interesting and even more so now in, uh, as a result of COVID, what we do every day is not always constrained to the job title that we have for the company that we work for, right? And so if you have a skill or you have a strength or you have something you're excited about, you can do that in your job, but you can find other ways to do that each and every day. And if you can find other ways to do that each day, you know, what impact might that have on your engagement, on your excitement, on your happiness, mm -hmm. on your overall well-being? Um, and in some cases, for some people, that may be something like earning extra income. For other people, it might just be the pursuit of something that's super fun or interesting or exciting whatever it is. But, you know, as I think about just how careers are shifting and evolving and also just thinking about what COVID has done for us in terms of being inside all day, like I think that um, one opportunity I've seen, and this is why I was curious about asking you, is that it has given people a chance to really think about what are some things that are worth my time that are worth pursuing either because I want to do them or because it gives me some kind of utility, however we define that, or it maybe it just fits within our broader way that we think about our work and our careers. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think like, as I was exploring this podcast, there's, um, and I was, ex I was exploring just like in general, like, you know, building a business mm -hmm. and what that looks yeah. like an online business, right? Like that's so big right now. And I think there's a part of me that's like, I love career stuff and there, and like, I'm very passionate. I love helping people, but I honestly can't imagine doing this like full time. Like it would be, it would get like old. I would get bored. Yeah. But it's like super fun to do every, you know, every few evenings or like, you know, once or twice a month. Like it's just and the podcast is fun. And so to me, I feel like I found a way to channel that that interest and that passion through the podcast. Um, but day to day, I I love like learning about MA and and what that looks like in my in my normal job. And I I'll do it as long as it's interesting. And I think. I think maybe for me, like being, being captivated, like learning, like that is really important to me. Maybe it's the most important thing I would say. For sure. And the thing that I love about podcasts is it is another avenue or another medium, if you will, to pursue something like you just described in terms of like, it doesn't have to be a, you know, a business, right? Like it doesn't have to be something that's revenue generating. It can just honestly be something that you just want to do. And that gives you energy or excitement or things. And so, I mean, the way that I, I kind of liken it sometimes is in college, I was involved in like extracurricular activities, yeah. right? Like I, we didn't get paid to do them. <laughs> like we did them because we, you know, they were interesting or they brought us closer to other people or they just work of like a common interest. And 
I think that, you know, particularly when you work in a demanding field, like sometimes it's, you long for those opportunities to do other types of things. And sometimes it can be hard, right? Like not everyone can carve out time to go somewhere to volunteer or things like that. But there are other opportunities like podcasting or writing or whatever it ends up being, where you can still find ways to explore things that you're interested in without, you know, perhaps devoting, you know, a whole extra career to it. I guess this may be the way to say it. Totally. Okay. Well, it's been great talking to you, Priscilla. Um, I've loved learning a little bit more about um, your story and podcast. And, you know, if people want to learn more, if people want to go check out your podcast, where can they come find you? Yeah. So I would say come to Instagram to check out, you know, when we have new episode releases, ECM podcast, and then check out our website, ecmpodcast.com. And of course, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher, um, we have episodes every Friday and wrapping up season one in July, but we'll be back for season two in September. So yeah, really excited. Hi, everyone. LD here, and thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.